Welcome back to Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker, and joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Trammell. Hi, Wayne. Hello, Marissa. How are you? I'm great. We're tackling pet peeves today. Are you excited? You know, I love when people get a chance to vent. That makes me so happy. Well, I'm happy that we get to do this because, oh my gosh, I put out a question on my personal social media, so Twitter, LinkedIn, and my Facebook, and said, what do you hate about virtual meetings? And nine of you responded, which does not sound like a lot, but in podcast world, that's a pretty big number, um, which also tells you, connect with me to get on the show. Um, but anyway. Look at you. Uh-huh. You um, know, when we started this show a year ago, she was like, I guess you could kind of contact me if you want. Now she's <laughs> now she's like the queen of social media. I try. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. So we asked you guys, what do you hate about virtual meetings? So many of you responded, thank you. Um, We're not going to be able to get through all of them in this show. So we're going to have multiple episodes just like we do with our other pet peeves. So keep sending those in. But I'm going to start with Sam Roberts from Twitter, who says, attention spans are shorter and we're fighting against countless distractions. This means facilitators need to do more prep and think of how to keep the agenda moving to keep things interesting. I pressed a little harder just to say like, okay, so you're saying to keep things interesting, like how how are facilitators supposed to do that? She said that for her, she changes up what she's doing every six minutes. So thoughts on that as a facilitator for longer than I've been alive? I I think the the instinct is right, Mm -hmm. uh, which is that people do have short attention spans. Now, some of this is, it's amazing Attention span is within the normal realms. Like if you keep it inside an hour, if you, attention span is discretionary. People are really good at paying attention to things that matter to them. (laughs) Right. And we are really good at tuning out things that our brain goes, don't care, don't want to know. Oh, look, squirrel. Right. So some of this starts before the meeting. I I wrote a book and I know it's a little bit outdated, so this is not a plug for the book, but the title of the book was Meet Like You Mean It. Mm -hmm. Still pretty good advice, right? Right. Why are we meeting? Is this something that needs to happen? Does the people that do the people that we've invited need to be there and will they add value to the time together is this the best alternative as opposed to discretion threads or other asynchronous right. kind of things. But let's assume for a moment that you have actually made a conscious decision that this meeting matters. Yes. And I right. assume you have an agenda for said meeting. Well, that's the next part is do people know why they're there? Do they know what's expected of them? Do they know what the desired outcomes are? You know, have you prepared them to hit the ground running? Right. And all of that is before you even start your presentation. Now, her point about every six minutes we try to change this is absolutely right. I have said before and gotten in trouble for saying that human beings are like raccoons. Yes. We're attracted by color, light, and motion. Yes. Are there things going on? And there, there's a fourth thing on there, which is sound. Uh, one of the cardinal sins of online meetings is people hear the same voice for a very long time. Right. 
And after a while, our brains can only physically maintain focus on a single voice for a short period of time. After that, you turn into Charlie Brown's teacher. Right. And it's very, very difficult. Yeah, so we all had one of those teachers. <laughs> the the six-minute rule is is fine. It's a perfectly valid rule. I try to do that by not making people hold their questions till the end. Mm-hmm right? Doing check-ins and not just any questions. Okay, good. But legitimate check-ins every little bit. You know, if you are presenting a slide deck, for example, I actually decide during my, as I'm building my presentation, where I want to stop and take questions. Yeah. You actually coached me on this, on something I'm going to do this weekend. And, and that was the idea that in between we're asking them questions about stuff that's relating to what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and so, and, and I know I've mentioned this before, there's this concept called the Herrera limit, which is that we can only take in seven pieces of information because information comes into our short-term memory. We process it. We decide what we need to keep and what we don't and what's worth remembering. And we move that to the, oh yeah, got to remember that pile. And that makes room for more stuff. If, as is often the case, because we're trying to cram a bunch of stuff into a short period of time, you just turn on the fire hose. Yes. And and just one way push information to people, you are going to hit that Herrera limit wall very early. And then wonder why they forgot X, Y, Z. And then wonder, well, I told them. Uh, now, there are a couple of things I'm going to say to this specifically about attention span, because I know we've got a bunch of other cool stuff yeah. that we want to address. Uh, number one is don't be afraid of handouts, reference material, stuff that people can look at later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to give them everything and walk them all through it at that point right if you can give them the information beforehand that will be immensely helpful but that requires something else and this is something that managers don't want to talk about but it's really important okay and that is that meeting behavior is a piece of their job performance yeah and it needs to be coached like a performance management issue and that covers both ends of the spectrum if people are dominating the meetings and not being respectful and not giving people a chance to talk that needs to be addressed absolutely if people are constantly logging on and 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 i'm talking about a convergence of problems. None of these are in and of themselves deal breakers. But if they come on to the meeting and they don't get their, you know, they're not on camera and they don't participate and they're constantly on mute the whole time and, you know, they basically whine and complain and don't contribute in the chat or anything else, at some point in your one-on-ones as a manager, 
you should go, you know, you're awful quiet on the meetings. What's going on? Yeah. It makes you look like you're not a team player. And the problem is that it, that becomes a perception problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you address that, why aren't you speaking up in meetings? You actually learn stuff. Right. Right. Like I probably shouldn't be on that meeting anyway, or, um, I don't want to say anything because you know how Bob is. Right. Right. Which tells you that there's a team dynamic issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like with the camera, why don't you want to be on camera? Well, I just hate it. Well, sucks to be you. Yeah. Or is it a bandwidth issue? In which case you can't really have it is on. It a bandwidth you, do, issue? you can't is hear anybody it, else. My kids are running around. Is it I just got back from the gym? And if it's I just got back from the gym, maybe a little more notice mm-hmm. before you call a meeting. Yeah. Right. None of these things individually are deal breakers. But when you put them all together, it starts to affect people's ability to pay attention in the meeting. Yeah. That makes so if sense. you meet like you mean it. Yes. Right. And you plan it and you do the work up front and you hold people accountable or I, I'm sorry, I use bad language when you help people be accountable. <laughs> okay. I don't want Kevin on my case. <laughs> I'm going to send just that clip to him directly. Oh, would you? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Uh, when you help people be accountable. It will make a difference. The thing is that meeting behavior over time has kind of devolved because we've allowed it to be devolved. We haven't addressed it. Mm-hmm. Nobody says anything. I'm so busy trying to get through the meeting that, you know, I'm just as glad Marissa kept her mouth shut because I got to get stuff done. Right. You only have so much time to do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next question, but thank you, Sam, for sending that in. And um, so Chat Tsunami on Twitter um, said the stereotypical jokes that we said pre-COVID and, you know, we get it. Our mic, our mic is muted and I'm wearing trousers. Let it go. <laughs> um, and they also mentioned that breakout sessions are the bane of their existence, but I don't think we've talked about breakout sessions before. We haven't. I mean, to the first part. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh I mean, people in the office still tend to resent those who don't go into the office every day and will take their little digs. Right. Um, Yes, you are correct. We should have gotten past that point by now. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, one third of my working life has been this pandemic, remote work, whatever. (laughs) Say that again louder for the people in the back, because we were talking about this before we started recording. And it's such an important point. Yeah. So full disclosure, I'm 31. I started working at this organization literally the Monday after I graduated college. So I've worked here for nine years. And one third of my working life has been this pandemic remote work stuff, which is kind of wild when you really think about it. Uh, it, It's incredibly wild. And it means that what was normal in the before times or what was novel or weird no longer is. And we need to just deal with that and get on with it. So I think that's a valid point. Uh, What 
the topic of breakout rooms is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've only been in some. I know for me, it depends on the meeting that I'm in. So sometimes I don't mind the breakout session because I'm excited about whatever we're talking about and we're going to talk about this project or I like who I'm in the breakout session with. But I've also been in some where, you know, we're volunteer organizations that I'm in that are talking about leadership stuff. For me, I'm like, I don't even really need to be here because I already know this, but that's beside the point. So I get pulled into a breakout room for them and I'm like, cool, we're going to answer these really fluffy questions (laughs) that don't really matter. (laughs) And then we're going to come in and talk about it and yay, yay, rah, rah. So I think sometimes it depends on how the breakout session is done. Okay. Like everything else, if you're going to do something, understand why you're doing it. Right. You said something which is fluffy whatevers. And we've all been in those. We have established on this show that Wayne is not a fan of fluffy icebreakers. They irritate me in general. Right. We have a whole Uh, video. I can suck it up and do them. But I'd rather get to the business at hand. So if you are going to do remote breakout rooms, why are you doing them? In training, there is a very reasonable reason, which is sometimes you want different groups to discuss different things. Sometimes it's because you generally get better input in groups of four or five than you would in a room full of 20. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets to speak. Your introverts aren't as intimidated or, you know, the groups tend to uh, generate better discussion. And then they come out and they debrief and it, it's it's generally better input. Yeah. And it's also a great way to jumpstart a meeting that otherwise people join and they go on mute and there's nothing happening at the beginning. Mm-hmm. If you are doing them just to give them something to do, they are not going to be looked on fondly. Right. So, you know, they should be relevant to the topic at hand. They should not put people in an embarrassing situation. Um, I think breakout rooms can be very helpful and they're especially helpful if you have the same people, the same large group of people and they've done it a few times. The first time you use a breakout room, it's weird and awkward and people aren't really sure how it works and what they're supposed to do. Once they've done it a couple of times and it becomes standard operating procedure, they can be very helpful, but you need to have a specific outcome that there is a reason we've broken you into small groups. This is what we want. Uh, We tend to be very prescriptive. We're in a class and we send people into breakout rooms. We will, as part of the instructions, say things like the person whose next birthday it is, is going to report out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't have to do this. Well, do you want to do it? Well, what about you? Exactly. It's here's your assignment. Get to work. Oh, look, you're finished your work. Let's report out. Your work is important. We're seeking your input. We respected your input. We've acknowledged your input and it's added value to the meeting. Yeah. If you're doing it, just to have something light and fluffy to do. And I suspect the person who sent that in, A, is male. Yes. Uh, I know this person, so yes. Yeah, okay. So 
you know, probably not as grumpy and old as me, but certainly grumpy and male. And probably focused on, let me do my work. Let's get to work. Let's do what we need to do. And so the, the value of the breakout rooms isn't as apparent. Yes. Because it's being seen as soft and fluffy and getting in the way of the desired outcome of the meeting. Right. I mean, just like we talk about all the time, clear communication is key there. But it's like everything else. If you're going to do something in a meeting, what is the reason for it? Yeah, don't waste right. people's time. If everybody knows everybody, if this team has been together forever, how much of an icebreaker do you really need? Right. And do we need to go through the mechanics of breaking out into a room and coming back? To, well, most of us went to the movies this weekend. That doesn't help. <laughs> right. Yeah, but if it's like, hey, we have this one problem that we need to solve and we're going to pull you into breakout sessions so you guys can talk about, you know, how we might be able to approach this, it's a little different. Well, or, or, you know, a really common one is you signed up for this course, you signed up for this meeting. What is your top priority? What is the thing that worries you the most about this? Yeah. What are you most concerned about? That is a very legitimate use. And as the larger the group gets, the more you need to do that. Because if you get above the team level, right, if you get above six, seven, eight people, just the group dynamics are going to dictate that some people are going to talk and some people are going to hide. Right. Breakout rooms, if used properly and properly managed, um, can draw information and involve those people who might otherwise hide or not be heard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, uh, but we have so many more. Like I said, we had nine people respond and I'm so excited to get to more of these in future episodes. If you have one, please make sure to send it in. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps us know what you love about our show. Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn or any of our social media profiles. Those are all in our show notes. And let us and know. You, you should know by now that Marissa is apparently the queen of social media and she does listen when people tell her stuff. So, yes. It's really true. If you want to talk to somebody about the podcast, talk to me. <laughs> that is that is not a secret. Um but anyway, if you have pet peeves, if you have topics that you want us to tackle, if, you know, thoughts, general whatever, like email us, talk to us, send me a message. I I get so excited when I hear from listeners. So please do that. And if you'd like to learn more about remote teams, order Wayne and Kevin Ikeberry's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceteambook.com. Thanks for joining us. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down.